millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello, this is the EFL Freezer Crowd podcast, where we take a light-hearted look at all things Football League. You scumbaggy maggot. Matt Smith's really Paris. <laughs> <laughs> I'm James, lifelong Cov fan, and I'm joined each week by self-proclaimed Statman Luke and resident Millwall fan Andy. Gary Monk sacked after a, a nil-nil draw with Millwall as well. Although most <laughs> clubs in the football league would die for a result like that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be covering important news, a run through the games, and our all-important goal of the week. Yes, <laughs> three-nil to the own goal. <laughs> so find us with a new episode each Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You're listening to Aston Law, broadcasting from the beautiful South Berlin, except no sandwich. Huge welcome to Akdung Millwall, dear listeners, and we have a very special guest here for you today, a BAFTA-nominated stand-up comedian, TV writer, co-host of The Price of Football, the immensely popular Price of Football podcast, but much, much more important than any of that, the first Crystal Palace fan ever to appear on Act on the Wall. It's <laughs> Kevin Day. Welcome to the show, Kevin. Uh, thank you for having me, Nick. I, I feel slightly... Uh, because because of Kieran Maguire, the price of football other person who's a Brighton fan, he talked me into doing a Brighton podcast the other night, so right, I, I'm, okay. I'm a bit confused. The last two podcasts I've done now are a Millwall one and a Brighton one, so I... I <laughs> That's I've, a... Sh- I've, it's a straight, yeah, I've, I've kept it quiet. I'm doing the Palace pod later on today. I don't intend to mention either of the last two. Well, we'll, we'll only put it on Twitter, mate. That'll be strictly between you and me. Don't worry about it. That's a strange rivalry. I've got to, I've got to up front, I, I had this on my notes to mention the Crystal Palace-Brighton rivalry. I know it dates from the Alan Mullery era, doesn't it? Malcolm Allison. It, it dates from a very specific game. I mean, it's, it's the strangest rivalry. It's interesting that you say rivalry because we had Darren Ambrose on our, on our pod recently. Right. who kept saying it's not a derby because it's not local. So eventually we had to compromise with with calling it a rivalry. It It's the strangest one probably in football. And I, I think we quite like it because of that, because it baffles other people. <laughs> it, it's sort of, it, it, it's become our own special thing, but it's, 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 it relates to a specific game, which I was at. Right. Okay. 1976, second round of the FA Cup final, um, the FA Cup. Yeah. So that was we'd already we'd got to the semi final in in May. The, the, as yes, the, remember it well. Yeah, absolutely. Lost. I cried my eyes out after we lost to Southampton. But Stamford then, Bridge it was playing. Yeah, it was Stamford Bridge, and then but then oddly enough, this game against Brighton went to a second replay uh, at Stamford Bridge, and I was there, and it was a horrible night, and then and Brighton battered us, but we we beat them one nil with a penalty that shouldn't have been given, and then uh, we missed it, but then they made it. They made 
the referee made us take the penalty again because a Palace player had encroached in the box and he thought it was a Brighton player. So it was a controversial game, but right. it ended up with Alan Mullery. Alan Mullery marched towards us in the away bit yeah. where we were and threw a handful of coins at the oh, fans. Oh, did he? I didn't know that was the only Yeah, yeah, no, which, right, is, which okay. is the most bemusing thing because, you know, we, it, was <laughs> odd, it was odd enough to see a manager marching towards us anyway, but then he threw the coins... And then in the press conference afterwards, he tore up a five-pound note and I wouldn't give you that for, for Palace or their fans. But that all related to Terry Venables, because him and Terry Venables hated each other at Tottenham. Yeah, apparently um, there's, they, 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 there's no love lost between them. No, they, they, apparently they really disliked each other. So that, so that was why he was upset with, with Palace fans and Terry Venables. And it, I don't think it would have gone anywhere else except for the fact that we both got promoted to the, the old second division that year. And then the year after that, we both got promoted to the old... First division. So That's within right, yeah. within three years, it had become the most intense rivalry. And you know, neither club have got a reputation for violence, even back in those days. But the worst violence I've ever seen at football games was was between Palace and Brighton. It was very very weird. Um, very odd. And then, and then yeah. Ron, yeah, and then Ron Nodes took us over, and Alan Mullery became our manager. And, and <laughs> it's the most odd thing because Alan Mullery was at the first game he took charge of Palace. He was booed on. Palace fans, and he was booed on at every single game he was in charge, and, well, and he took charge of probably the worst Palace team for a long, long time. Uh, and we generally, it's still it, it got diluted a little bit because we didn't play them very often because they were, you know, out of the league for a long time, out of the top flight, and then Steve Coppel became their manager. So, but it's still for my generation, it's still the big rival. And I, I met Alan Mullery once, and right. He, he wouldn't even shake hands. He said, I've, I've, you know, I've, I know what you've said about me. I know who you support. And then I, my favourite bit, and I, sh I shouldn't boast about it, we, but we played Tottenham in the FA Cup quarterfinal in 2016. Yeah. And some bright spark at BT Sport thought, well, Alan Mullery played for Tottenham and he managed Palace. So that, he's obviously the ideal person to interview. And so there was 6,000 was there that day and none of us could believe our eyes as suddenly Alan Mullery emerged from the tunnel and was being walked down to our end, basically, right, right, which, right. which, and then after 15 seconds was walked away from our end. <laughs> and it is, and I'm, I'm really not proud of this, but a Palace fan threw a coin at him and I went, I went, mate, seriously, yeah. he, he fucking started it. So <laughs> I thought, fair enough. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, go, it's, yeah. it's, it's a real, it's a proper, the full on it's, rivalry. Is it's, a full, it's a full on, and it, it, it's yeah. strange because I know Millwall fans and Charlton fans who are slightly, insulted by the fact that that's become our, our real rivalry when they, they think it should be it should be them. And of course, there's, there's no love lost between us and, and Charlton and Watford at the moment either, which is a bizarre one. But Brighton Brighton will always be the one. Be the one, yeah. And it's, and it's strange because I can't, I can't think of any other rivalry that intense that goes back to one single game. No, no. I mean, I, I wasn't aware of that one. I knew, I knew that yeah. Alan Mullery and, and Malcolm Allison, obviously two very, very yeah. flamboyant figures of the of the seventies, and you know, and before that, but I wasn't aware that was the origin of it. I mean, you know, I suppose Cholton also. I mean, Crystal Palace and Cholton with the ground sharing thing that happened in in the eighties. There's also a certain kind of um. Well, it's it's more words. it's more on their behalf than it is. In, it's the same with <laughs> it's one way street. <laughs> it's what it's 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 more. I I've never quite understood that. It's the same with with Wimbledon fans who really hate us mm. because they shared our ground as though somehow it was our fault that they shared. <laughs> our ground and, and Charlton feel the same way about us because they they shared our ground and also they don't particularly like West Ham because they shared, they shared ground. their but ground, didn't they? Yeah. But but there is but I, it, it's interesting because when I was first becoming a football fan, you know when you're sort of 
like 10, 11, 12. Your formative years. Your yeah. form- I mean, they're the years when you know more about football than anything else. You know, yeah. you, yeah. you know the manager of Mansfield, you know the the kit, the Clyde, you know Clyde Banks you kit, do. you know, you know yeah. everything about football. And and in those in those days, like older Palace fans would say, no, it's it's the triangle, it's Palace Millwall Charlton. That's the that's the that's the three. They're the rivalries. And then yeah. suddenly it was it was Brighton and everything else was was pushed aside. And it it it, it is a strange Malcolm Allison's another strange one. My dad's absolute favourite Palace manager, and along with many other Palace fans, even though he got us relegated two seasons running. Well, I was going to ask you about him because I mean, obviously, um, I, I went to school in Chislehurst in, oh, okay, the, right, in, yeah. in the early seventies, yeah. and um, the school that I went to, I came from a council estate, and the school that I went to was predominantly uh, middle class. I don't know how a yeah. way to put it. Yeah, Bit Kelly kids, uh, Orpington kids, and they 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 largely followed Crystal Palace. Um, so, I, I was a kind of aware of Palace's um, ups and downs at, at, at that time, and. Um, Millwall and Palace, um, they they had a, a what's the word, a, a rivalry. It never seemed to be quite as vehement from the Millwall perspective as it did uh, maybe on the other side, I don't know. But um, certainly from the Millwall perspective, Palace were kind of um, there, but they weren't, they didn't occupy the kind of devil <laughs> positions of um, maybe, uh, you know, West Ham and and, and, and Spurs and, and Chelsea at that time. Well, that's what we always... We always associated with with Millwall looking north and east for yeah. the rivalries rather than us, and it's it's interesting because it, I I always get quite bemused because Danny Baker, for example, still goes on now about Old Palace were a middle class club. We we had no time for them because they weren't like us. But it's like Danny Baker's clearly never been to Thornton Heath. No, he's never been to Croydon. He's never been to Croydon <laughs> because it, I, I can't think of any place that's further from being a middle class ground than than Sellers Park. But it, it's it's strange. We were always. Yeah, we always thought of Millwall as rivals until Brighton came along. But you're absolutely right. I don't think I don't. I think Millwall didn't see us as any threat. And also, I think at the time we were quite patronised, and we were sort of like the Orient of South London in a way. Do you know what I mean? No one, yeah, yeah. no one was that bothered by us. And the, the thing with Malcolm Allison, until until Malcolm Allison came on, we were the most nondescript. I mean, you can't even really point out where we are on a map. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, <laughs> it's the same with one of the reasons I love Palais so much, because where, where I'm from in South London is sort of, it's sort of Tooting and it's sort of Streatham and it's sort of Mitchum, but there's no... It's no like a nowhere land, isn't it? It, it, it is. Yeah. Not even a, there's not even an estate agent name for it. Do you know what I mean? So, <laughs> so, so growing up, all my identity was from being a Palace fan, but until Malcolm Allison came along and sort of made us the Eagles and gave us the kit... We were kind of a nondescript sort of. We were just, you know, three or four thousand people supporting Palace, and that was it. We were never a threat to anyone, and I think Millwall probably reacted to that because I mean, Millwall were a bigger club than us for for the most of the first years. I was, I was supporting Palace to be perfectly honest. But it's, uh, I'm still proud of that the identity thing. It's like it, it's like you. I'm probably. I was educated out of my class. You know, I'm a South London working class yeah, boy. Yeah, yeah. Still got an element. Yeah, you don't have to look far to find a chip on the shoulder. To be perfectly honest, which is not. <laughs> well, that's good to hear. As we want more well, of that. It's yeah. not necess- It's not necessarily healthy. Do you know what I mean? But it, but, <laughs> but, but, I'm, but I'm still proud of the fact that people, people, you know, people say, "Oh yeah, you're the comedian, aren't you?" Or you're the you're the writer, or you do this. But the vast majority of people go, "Oh yeah, you're the Palace fan," and that that makes me really proud. The fact that people identify me with my football club. And it's like you were more because it's always, it's it's been a baseline throughout the whole of my oh, life. Absolutely, it's, it's always there. Absolutely. Whatever whatever's absolutely. going on in your life, good or bad, you've got Sellers Park to fall back on. You've got your Palace mates, and and again, I'm sure like you, Nick, I, 
the football, I, I sort of miss the football. I sort of miss going to the, to the actual games, but I don't miss it anywhere near as much as I miss going to the Pawson's Arms. Yeah, it's and, the and social talk, quality it's of it. I totally, think. and it, it's what my wife describes as, as going to this, going to the same pub, sitting in the same seat, in the same corner, talking the same bollocks to the same people that you haven't done for twenty years. And it's like, yeah, that's the whole point. That's, routine of life. That's, it? it is, and it's like you, you, you go, you do that before, and then afterwards, win, lose, or draw, you do it afterwards. And it's, you know, that's what I miss that so much. And every football fan says the same thing. And I think as well for for Millwall. One that I, I was as a, as an away fan, Nick. And I'm 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 aware that I'm not answering questions you haven't even asked me now. I, no, no, no. You go for it, I, mate. You, like you're using up all my all my worthy I, notes. I, I, I like the sound of my own voice. But <laughs> as, as as an away fan, I used to hate going to. But of course, I, I mean, Cold Lane. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, it was a terrifying place to go as an away fan, and it's, and I could never understand it. It's like we. Yeah, we look the same, we sound the same, but somehow they could spot us. You, know, you never wore a scarf to an away fan. But having said that, a, a mate of mine, Barry's a Millwall fan, and I used to go to the odd Millwall game with him, with, yeah. without Palace being involved, and I loved it because I, I, I found it, it's almost the biggest compliment I could play to, pay to Millwall. It was, like, it was like going to a Northern. It's like there was a. It was raw. A, yeah. It was, a, it was not, not only raw, but there was a community feel. Mm. It was like going to a big non-league club, and I don't mean that in a in a. Yeah, yeah, it was no, like it was going somewhere where the fans all seem to know each other because they they weren't travelling, and it's the same at Palace. It's like you know you go to Arsenal, you go to Tottenham, you go to Chelsea. Of course, they're London clubs, but they're, they're not London clubs in the way that that we're London clubs. And and you go to Arsenal, Tottenham, Chelsea, half the people in the crowd have travelled a long way. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 but yeah. whereas you go you go to Millwall, and I used to think these people have only travelled two or three miles. They all know each other, and, it, and I. I really quite, I quite like that, and also I quite like the fact that my, one of my, I'm, I'm from an Irish Catholic background. I've got cousins all over the place, and one of my cousins in in Yorkshire was a big Man City fan, and he right. was he was always the proper, the, you know, the north this and north that, and the piss you drink down there. But he was terrified of Millwall, and I in a in a strange sort of because I used to say, to him, yeah, where, where's Millwall that you you're, you you won't go to? It's in it's in London. Oh yeah, right, okay. So there is something good. Yeah, it's, it's a strange thing to admit, but I used to quite, I used to quite like the fact that there was this London feel about Mill. It's, it's the most London of all clubs, if if you, if you see. Yeah, that. and, it, and it's just, it's a strange thing to articulate. But I, going there as a as a non Palace fan for Mill games, I, I used to think there's a couple of times you think oh, this this is wrong, but it was good wrong if you, if you see what I mean. Now, yeah, it's hard to explain, but it's I, I don't think I think even other London fans don't fully. Understand the 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 tight knit the closeness of, of Milner, and in in a in a way I I resent you go you go through Bermondsey now and it always makes me like I I always have Danny Baker's words in my head about us being middle class but you go yeah, Bermondsey now Jesus there's a lot of there's a lot well, of that's the changing now. face of London Kevin isn't it I mean it, I, you know um, the I demographic think... has changed it's like going to a Dulwich Hamlet game you go through Bermondsey now it's it's incredible yeah I mean it made me laugh the first time I saw a Japanese restaurant on Jamaica Road <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if it's still there I, thought, I know fuck, but it's fuck yeah. me you know <laughs> my, my, my dad would have turned you know yeah yeah it is well he's not a grave but you know what I mean it's it's that kind of um, wow look at that a Japanese restaurant on yeah the... and then he would he would try some of the Japanese food and he'd really like it as well. <laughs> I don't know about that now, you know you are going too far <laughs> um, it's great to have you on the show we the reason, listeners, we are talking is because Kevin's got a book out um, available on Amazon. It is called Who Are You? 92 Football Clubs. 
and why you shouldn't support them. Yeah, which is an interesting concept. Have you, have, so this is this is this is you've written about the the ninety two the the Premier and the and the Football League. Yeah, um, that's quite a feat, Kevin. One of my questions: have, have you done that? I mean, you've gone to some obscure places. The original concept was um, ninety one football clubs and right. why you shouldn't support them, because but then Bloomsbury thought it was that it, 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 they thought it was. It would, appear too much of a palace book if you see what i mean mm. so they wanted mm-hmm. to they wanted me to include uh palace in there as well and uh it i mean it came about it's, it's a true story i came back from a, a an evening game a palace evening game uh quite a few years ago when my boy was still little and obviously i came back late and had been drinking but my i opened the door my my boy was still up and he was he was hob and he's like so i thought immediately there was something's wrong here because he shouldn't be up yeah, and then and I could see my wife looking a little bit anxious, and he he said, "Dad, before I go to bed, I've got something to ask you." And it's like, "Oh, okay, what's what's the matter, mate?" And he he, he was only eight. He said, "Can I support? Can I support Blackburn?" <laughs> so I, I said, "Well, when when you've got your own job and your own house, you can support who you want. But in, in, in the meantime, get in your palace pajamas, get under your palace duvet, and say goodnight to Sellers the cat. You know what I mean?" But but then I said, "Why Blackburn?" He said, "Well, Dad, you never you never come home happy." I went, "Well, that's part of the." Part of the joy of football, isn't it? It's part of football. <laughs> no, no one said there was any happiness involved. And he said, and he said, I, so he said, I started going through all the other clubs and 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 to it till I found one that you didn't hate. And mum said, you didn't hate Blackburn because you got drunk after an evening game, and that was the first time you said you loved her. It's like, oh well, crafty mummy, well done. But <laughs> I, I said I wasn't drunk. I said the, the, the train broke down on the way back from Blackburn, so yeah. by the time we got home, I was hungover. I wasn't drunk, but I said, of course, I I hate, but. That, that's when I first had the idea, this 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 strange interconnected web that all football fans have, where, you know, football's the most important thing. And when push comes to shove, we'll put rivalries aside to, to help other clubs. But we all have this strange, bizarre, unlikely link of clubs that we that we hate. So I, I kept the idea under my hat for a, for a while. And then a year and a half ago, out of sheer economic necessity, I was having one of those periods Without well, I thought I'll, yeah. I'll write this, I'll write this book up, and and lo and behold, Bloomsbury took out, and I knew I was onto a winner when I I mentioned to a mate of mine who's the nicest bloke in the world. You couldn't right. meet a nicer bloke, but he's a West Ham fan, and he okay. he said to, he said to me one day, Are "You still writing that book?" I said, "Yeah, I'm trying to." He said, "What chapter are you on?" I said, "Oldham," and he just went, "Don't fucking talk to me about Oldham," <laughs> and he just went into his whole like three particular <laughs> games, and so I, I thought, well, if a West Ham fan hates Oldham that much, I'm onto a I'm onto a winner here, but. I just wanted to, I've, I've always wanted to write a book, Nick, but I've always had this kind of imposter syndrome growing up. Do you know what I mean? Okay. I've always kind of thought, I, I, it, I'll never write a book. It's not It's not the sort of thing I can do. I'll never be asked to write one. So I was really delighted to, to get it off the ground. I loved writing it, but I, I didn't want it to be nostalgic. I wanted to write a book that had every club in it. it wasn't. I wanted the Mansfield chapter. Well, I was going to ask about the likes of Macclesfield and Mansfield. Yeah, I wanted, I wanted, I wanted those chapters to be as long as the Man City, Man yeah, United, yeah, Liverpool yeah. chapters because Mansfield, yeah, Macclesfield and Berry going out of business. Which yeah, the, the end. It's the end of the world for ten thousand people. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. and you know, the, the five thousand Mansfield season ticket holders love their club as much as the five million global Liverpool fans love their. So I wanted to reflect that, but I also wanted to reflect the fact that. I had personal memories of, of most of these clubs and, and the, the chapters that were hardest to write were the clubs like Burton Albion, where I've never been to Burton Albion. We've never played them. 
I've never been to Burton, and it turns out I I didn't know where Burton was when I even looked it on a, on a map. So <laughs> well, I've been I, there. You haven't well, missed yeah, much. <laughs> well, exactly, exactly. So in the in the end, you find things, and I wanted each chapter to have a different thing. But I I wanted to write a book, and and the really important thing was when I first started writing it, Matt, my editor at Bloomsbury, said, "Look, this is really good, but you you're writing it for non-football fans. You're qualifying too much. You're explaining too much. Just assume." that everybody who buys this book will love football as much as you do and write and write for them. Right, so which was, which, yeah. which was, which was brilliant. Cause I, I just wanted to write a book where I, I talked about my experiences as a palace fan, but I wanted to make them generous. So I wanted, yeah, I wanted a Millwall fan or a Bradford city fan to go, I've got a mate like Chris, who was always, always late. I've got a mate like Roy who always got us into fights and never, and never stayed till the end. I've got a mate like Steve who never bought a drink. I wanted it to reflect the, the joy of football. I wanted to, I wanted it to be a, not a secret, as I wanted loads of people to buy it, as I've lost all my other work this year. But I wanted it. Well, to I was going to ask about that. Yeah, but I, I, I wanted it to be a book that football fans would like because I don't. I, I genuinely feel. I mean, I love all sorts of. I, you know, I, I'll get a bit cross when people say to me, "When football fans say, how, how can you waste your time going to the theatre or reading a book?" It's like being a football fan doesn't mean you can't have other interests. And I love the theatre. I love cinema. I love all sorts of things, but I, I don't get. I don't understand people who don't like football. They're missing out on on well, so much. And I wanted I wanted the book to reflect that. I wanted the book to reflect the sheer joy of of the train. It's like that train breaking down on the way back from Blackburn in 1989, three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and I wanted to, I wanted the people to understand because everybody reading the book, I think, will have stories like that. When when it's like we went to Wrexham, uh, must have been probably 150 of us at most. We went to Wrexham. Yeah. And we won our first away game for eighteen months, and I'm I'm still dining out on the fact that I was one of the people who saw that. Yeah, these are the um, yeah, you, you know, the badges the, of honour, aren't they? The, yeah. That's exactly the word, the badges of honour. So I wanted the book to reflect the sheer passion, but also wanted the book to reflect the sheer illogicality of of being a football fan. And the fact is that I'm an intelligent bloke, I like to think. But if somebody sidles up to me in a pub and tells me a fact about Palace, I'll just believe it. <laughs> I'll just think that must be true, and it's 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 like the West Brom chapter. In the West Brom chapter, I, I write about the, the there's eight different reasons why West Brom are called the Baggies. Apparently, if you look right. at the club's history, okay. you talk to okay. eight different reasons why they're called the Baggies, and they're all bollocks. All of them. They're all <laughs> none of them have got hold any water at all. But but West Ham, but West Brom fans will will offer you out if you disagree with their version of why West Brom are called. It's like that boing, isn't. boing, boing thing they do. Well, I mean, I, they I've heard about five different reasons why they do that. They, you know? they don't even know why they do that. And that's the, no. the thing. It's like I was, I was talking to a West Brom fan recently because one of the versions about the, the West Brom thing is that the players went on strike in 1920 and they had to get kids in to play. So the, the shirts were all too big for them. It's like, that's nonsense. But they go, <laughs> no, no, it's absolutely it's absolutely true. But the, th the thing is as well, it's it's the same when you... Because I, I didn't want to do too much research on the book. Like, I, wanted okay. to write okay. it, I wanted to write it spontaneously I wanted it to be like writing stand-up in a way I, did, I didn't want to spend six months in libraries or on the internet coming up with really deep historical facts right. I, wanted, okay. I wanted it to be to have a feel for the club I mean there are there are facts in there but I say in the introduction don't use it as a textbook for the love of God because you and the problem is as well even you're looking at the history of, of Millwall mm. when when a football club started it's like I, I played Sunday football for five different teams but essentially they were the same team it's just we changed the name and we changed the kit, but same the same characters. I but guess. it's the same the same people play for each team. It's just that yeah. we moved to a different pub and changed the name. And it, it's the same when football clubs started, and there were hundreds and hundreds of them. 
nobody wrote wrote it down because they didn't think right. Well, there's a start a football club now, and in a hundred years' time, we'll be in something called the Premier League. They just started playing football, and so all the stories are kind of like and because it's a work for the for the for the greater part. There's one or two exceptions, but nearly every single football club comes out of a working class community. And, well, this is and, one of the points I wanted to ask you about. Because I mean, obviously, I mean, the price of football podcast which is excellent listeners if you're not listening to it listen to it um i mean one of the things i take from it kevin is is this kind of um it's like the injury song the england's glory the jewels in the crown of england's glory that this is this is something 92 clubs professional clubs from the highest to the lowest is something quite wonderful um, and we, we take it so much for granted don't we? It, it, it is wonderful nick and, and people sometimes accuse kieran and i of being too romantic about football because kieran Kieran says that all football grounds should be Grade Two listed buildings. Basically, you shouldn't be. Out, <laughs> and, but he's right. He said you shouldn't be out of touch them. They, they should right, be protected. Okay. They should be protected so that some chancer can't come along well, and buy your club and move you out. And, yeah. and and you, you've had you've had issues around all sorts yeah. of stuff with with yeah. your ground and the council and yeah. what was going to happen. He said football clubs should be. But but for me, as a my passion is is history and the history. I'm obsessed with the history of London. It's like. I'm very. I'm, if I could put Londoner on my passport, I would have London as my. And uh, I'd be happy to put a moat around the M25 and declare an <laughs> independent. Off. I, I think that's, you know, that's going on, isn't it? <laughs> at the moment, yeah, you're right. It's, but I'm. I'm really. I love. I love London, and I love London's history. It's like I love. One of my favourite train journeys is, is from Norbury to, to to London Bridge. We pass your ground, but yeah. as you get towards Borough, and like you, you get a slight sense of what London must have been like. Those Dickensian kind all of thing. lovely yeah. with the Borough High Street and Borough. Yeah. I love I love it around there. But the reason I'm so romantic about football is because it's it's almost the last vestiges of working class history that's still out in the open. And it's like growing up as a kid, I've I've never been to Walsall, but I knew they made saddles there. Yes. I knew they made hats in Luton. I, you you learn about you do learn stuff stuff, yeah. and it, and I I I think it, it it's still for me football clubs should still be at the heart of a mostly working class community, and most most grounds still are, thank God. Yeah, especially when you get to League One and League Two, but it's got to be more protected. I think that's one of the reasons why price of football struck a struck a chord with people. It's just that when we first started, and I, I thought it was the worst idea. This bloke uh, approached me. He, he was. Five Lives business editor, so he okay. had my details from from the old days. Sent me an email to say he had, he he wanted to yeah, start this concept, a, <laughs> this concept of a podcast about football finance. So I sent him a very polite email back saying, "Well, good luck with that. I'm sure it'll be wonderful. I'll, I'll, I'll try and give it a listen, and not meaning a, a word of it." And he said, "No, I'd like you to to present it." And I I replied to him and said, "Mate, I, I, I've got no. I'm not allowed a credit card now. I'm so bad with money. I'm, I'm shocking with money. I, people think I'm joking. I get." Christmas cards from Sutton Tax Office. That's how close my relationship with them is. Um, and he said, well, I know that because I've heard you talk about it. So that's why I want you to to do it. So I ended up, uh, and we did, uh, so he introduced me to Kieran and we met. Right. And it was only, right. we'd done four episodes before Kieran admitted he was a Brighton fan, which which made me laugh because I'm a grown up. I wouldn't, I would still have done it, but it still, still made me, to yeah. still talk to him. But it struck, because luckily enough, the, the very first one we did was in the week that Barry was going was going under and, yeah, and, yeah. and Kieran with his forensic analysis Kieran just explained exactly why Berry was going under and explained exactly how the EFL could prevent Berry going under and he did it with as I say like proper forensic like a precision analysis. which is what I proper, was it was proper with, yeah. it's what it's like it's yeah. like a laser beam and I and I would just did in the background was going well this is fucking this, this can't be allowed so I think people just 
just picked up on that passion we had for football and the fact that we just want to make football right. And the fact that we've always spoken about the fact that there will be a glorious day when we don't need to do the Price of Football podcast because yeah, yeah. all the money in the game will be distributed fairly and every club will be safe and secure and we won't, we won't have to worry about it. But that's a long time off. But it's just we're both of us are passionate about it. Um, you know, Kieran knows he's going to get pelters from me every time we speak because he's from <laughs> he's from the Elephant and Castle. Right? His family were Millwall fans, so he should support He's found Millwall. Brighton. God he's he's yeah. found Brighton, but he, he, God love him, he loves him, and it's, yeah. that's fine, that's up to him. And again, it's it's uh, the Brighton thing, he's still coming back to where we started the conversation, because when when I first started writing the book, my, my idea for the Brighton chapter, I just wanted to have a photograph of a seagull stealing a chip off a toddler. <laughs> Bloomsbury, Bloomsbury said that was childish and I had to write properly about Brighton. Yeah, you've got to be a proper so, writer. <laughs> so I wrote properly about Brighton, but I spelt Brighton with a small B all the way through and they said oh, that's childish you? as well. That so is I was, childish, yeah. I said, yeah. it's funny, but, but it, it turns out Brighton's got more independent bookshops than anywhere else. But 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 going back, but Kieran, it, we're both passionate about our clubs. We're both, and And I think... Yes, people accuse us of being romantic, but you, I don't think you can be too romantic about about football clubs. I, and I, you know, I love I love the arts, I love culture. I don't, you know, if if you're going to save theatres and you're going to save opera houses, you have to save football grounds. It's as simple as that. It's not and seen the, in the same light. It's, it's, it's not, but it should be. And that, that fucking idiot MP who just who, who said yeah. the culture of the north is football and the culture of the south is opera. It's just like yeah, well, that's bollocks. It, you know, it's that's... total bollocks. It's total bollocks. And that's the other thing as well as football fans. We have more because we, yeah. I remember going to Burnley a few years ago. We hadn't played Burnley for a while and went up to Burnley. And you look, you you get off the train in Burnley and you go, Jesus, this is that's, what austerity looks like. It's a tough, hard place. But you go there and you think, Jesus, they've had it. This is what austerity looks like. And absolutely, it's like, absolutely. And it's like, we, we know that because we travel the country seeing these places. Like, no one travels to, to Durham or Darlington to see an opera. So they don't know what's going on in the world. And it's like, football it should be treated the same and it's of course it's a working class game but i go i drink in the porson's arms and it's and it's working class people it's a working class pub but there's theater producers in there there's accountants in there there's lawyers all people that have uh, you know from similar backgrounds to us but have done and also there's cab drivers and there's there's you know, train workers but there's all sorts of people and people you know the government don't understand and why I, I st i'm still furious nick and again, I'm aware I'm answering a question you didn't ask. No, me, you go for it, mate. But Michael, Michael Gove, when when they were talking about um, uh, when we were coming out of the first lockdown properly, yeah, they were yeah, talking yeah, about yeah, yeah. they were talking about getting fans back in into grounds, and and you know, Steve Parrish was one of the very many chairmen who said, "Look, we can get fans back in now. It's as yeah, safe as anything yeah. else." And Michael Gove said in public, "It was it was why there wasn't more of a fuss about." It. He said, "It's not the grounds we're worried about." It's that we can't trust fans not to get drunk, not to muck about on trains. It's like they genuinely think working-class football fans are going to have a drink and climb all over each other. And it's just, that's what, the lack of understanding of what football I'm, as I'm, a cultural I'm, thing means to us. And it's important to us, Nick. Football's an important absolutely. thing to us. I'm stupefied by it. I mean, I, and I wonder this, and it's totally off tangent in my notes. Got, so I'm, I'm kind of thinking aloud on this, Kevin. But I, I sometimes wonder whether social media stupefied us into this kind of accepting, like we lurch from sensation to sensation, minute by minute online. And so something like Gove coming out with that, and I, I read the same yeah. remarks. And you think, well, how do you get away with that? How can you come out with this as a, as a you know, it's... It, He's a man from such a different social background. He has no knowledge of what he's talking about, and yet somehow he gets away with it. That's I, 
Uh, well, I, th I think you're right. I think it's probably because there is so much else going on on social media and in the news that it gets it gets lost. It, it ends up on the bottom of the pile, and then mm. after after a week or two, people don't take it. You know, anything that's more than a week old, no one takes seriously. And it's like I, I keep trying to remind people of it. And they keep saying, oh, "All right, fine. We know you think that. Let's, let's move on." You know what I mean? But it's just that's just one example of the. And, and also because I talk to my son who's 25. You and I, Nick, I'm guessing we're, we're a similar age. You said you were educated in the, in the 70s. In the 70s, yeah. Same as, so we, I mean, we grew up in the worst days. That's why I didn't want the book to be nostalgic because going to football now is a much more pleasant experience to be oh, fair. God. But I, I, I tell my son and his mates what the experience of going to football was like. <laughs> we, we went to a game once, it was a Wolves game. Uh, and and we had, there was a, the special was like four coaches, yeah, uh, but, yeah. but it was attached to a normal train. Uh, but we were but we were padlocked in. There was padlocks and padlocked bars which between our yeah. between our four coaches and the normal coaches, there was no toilet. If it had been an accident or a crash or a fire, and the way we were treated by the, but because I'm a, a an old fashioned guardian reading liberal lefty, but I, even I think if you keep treating people in a, in a certain way, they're going to behave in a certain way, and it's no wonder there were people reacted the, the way the police. The West Midlands police was. was shameful and you know you knew as an away fan which which games you didn't look forward to it's like i never liked going to sheffield united not because of their fans i think sheffield's a brilliant city but because yeah. the south yorkshire police was, were assholes yeah. basically yeah, so were the yeah, west midlands yeah. police and they treat and it's like any I, used, I said to one couple once any other day of the week i'm a citizen you've got a treat but but, but somehow on saturday i'm a piece of shit. that's their image of football fans that were all uncontrollable violent idiots who don't deserve decent facilities and, it, and if we do we have to pay through the nose for it and it's it it, it it's not it saddens me it sickens me it angers me and i think that i think that again it comes back to one of the reasons why people take price of football so seriously hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. You're listening to I think also as well, it's because I think if we were man, if, if I supported Man United and Kieran supported Liverpool, I don't think people would tap into the pod as well as they do. It's just that they know 
we support teams that aren't fashionable, never will be, but also that we go to games. Like I've been to, I think it's about 72 ground supporting Palace, but Kieran's been to 144 supporting Yeah, Brighton that's an achievement. Because they've been all over, the, you know, they've been in, in League One and League Two more recently than we have, which I remind him. But, you know, they, people know that we're actually football fans. He's not just an accountant and an economist. I'm not just a broadcaster. That's we the great been, divide in the game yeah. there, Kevin, isn't it? Those that go to games, those that actually turn up and stand in the, the rain sun or whatever you want, and those that watch it on the telly because, unfortunately, the game has developed into a TV entertainment, with, especially with, at the Premier League level. You know? Without a doubt, Sky and Beat. But also, I think that the other division, Nick, as well, is between uh, not, not just the top six, but Arsenal fans, Man City fans... I remember being in a comedy store dressing room a couple of years ago and Arsenal had got to the FA Cup semi-final again and there's a, a comic in there, an Arsenal-supporting comic, who goes to games, to be fair, he's a proper Arsenal fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's there going, oh, for fuck's sake, we've got to go to Wembley again. And it's like, my God, if you ever get to the stage supporting Palace where you're moaning about having to go again. to Wembley again. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, and again, it's like, it's really odd. You talk to Man City fans, like I've found it, that Man City fans... You know, obviously they love what's happened to the club, but you, you ask most Man City fans what their favourite game was and they'll all say the playoff final against Gillingham at Wembley. When they were coming out of League One and they were 1-0 uh, yeah. down with a minute to go. And it's like they, they, they still yearn. That's a strange thing. All these clubs, Arsenal, Chelsea fans... And, and Chelsea fans, are the, they, they always make me laugh because immediately you say to somebody who's your sport and they go, Chelsea, yeah, but I've been since the old days. It's like... <laughs> and then they, they go, well, I'm not Chelsea. Because somehow if they say Chelsea, you go, okay, well, you've been since the old days. But you talk to a lot of Chelsea fans, you 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 show them a picture of the old Stanford Bridge, they wouldn't fucking go to the old... If, if that no, they wouldn't like it there. there. No, that's they for sure. They, you know, they wouldn't be Chelsea fans if, if they had to go to the old Stanford Bridge. Absolutely. You know? And it's I think that I think that divide, and I think, and I think it is a lot to do with Sky, and it's a lot to do with BT and the media. The, the gulf between the Premier League and the rest of football is getting... Is getting ridiculously wide. The champ and the championship is a basket case financially because well, they're chasing, chasing, they're, the dream, chasing they? they're chasing that Premier League dream, and and gradually that that gap between the top two divisions and the bottom two divisions is getting wider and wider and and wider. And it, I think it's a miracle that more clubs haven't gone under. And, and I, I think, agree. I agree. And, and, and I, agree. I, I hope coming out of this that they that they won't. But there's there's no excuse. I mean, I hate the fact that Scott, every now and again Martin Tyler will catch himself on and say, you know, because somebody, one of the one of the co-commenters will say, oh, that's the, you know, the, the most goals scored in a Premier League game, blah, 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 at, at, at the Etihad. And Martin Tyler will say, well, I should remind you there was football before 1992. Yeah. But it's, yeah, yeah. It, it's the fact that people need reminding of that. It's only, you know, and, and the fact is, of course, it's a completely different game now. And I don't yearn for the old days, but I, the fact that it's being written off and and written out of history is 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 sickening because you 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 have to have that continuity. And that's why I love players like Damien Delaney, for example, who was yeah, yeah. Um, Palace captain. Who and all, all football, you know, it's like you had your Terry Hurlocks and your Harry Cripps. Yeah, and, real characters, hardcore. And, and for, yeah, and and for us, Damien, we love Damien Delaney because. He should never have got near the Premier League, basically, and he knows that himself. He, he knows about it. He, he got to the Premier. He'd been through all sorts of hardships. He got through, but he got to the Premier League with Palace. And I love talking to Damien. He's an intelligent bloke, but also he he realised. He said the first thing he does when he goes to a to a new club, when he goes to Palace, he learns about it. He learns yeah. about the history, yeah, yeah, the history he, of it. All. He yeah. learns when they were formed. He learns what what they, what community they came out of. He, he knew that we'd come out of a. The glaziers who moved the Crystal Palace from 
Hyde Park to to Penge. He knew all that because most footballers most footballers panic. If you if you ask them about their favourite Palace game, it's like they don't they don't no, really don't know, know anything because, beyond their own contract, do they? And no. which is which is understandable because they they are employees. I, I I get that, but I also get more people like Damien Delaney who goes right. I need to learn about the culture of this club, and of course that's they're the players that fans take to heart. Of course you love your skillful players and you love the kids that come through your own youth team, but fans can recognise one of their own. Do you know what I mean? Fans oh, absolutely. Can fans can recognise, and, and and also fans can do that stupid thing, which even now, in in my 50s, I still do. You go, yeah, that could have been me. Like, yeah, yeah, and, we, live and, in, we live in a dream world. Yeah, and, I, and my mates will remind me that I was the worst Sunday, I was a terrible Sunday footballer. And it's like, <laughs> you know, you know when you're playing Sunday football and there's always a couple of strange blokes watching and you go, he's probably a scout. Yeah, you know, and he's probably looking at me, even though I'm the worst player on the pitch. And you still, you still convince yourself, even now, that if things have gone better in one particular game on a Sunday, you'd be playing for Palace. But for for Damien, that's that's how that's what that's that how was, was. That was how it was. And you you identify with those players even even more. It's like Man City fans love Phil Foden more than they love most of the rest of the team because he's one of their boys. And it's he, authenticity, isn't it? It is, and and also Phil Foden couldn't look more like a mank if you if you can't if you <laughs> cast him for a sitcom. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's like, and I but I like that. Do you know what I mean? And it's like yeah, we love the fact that we we've got young players like Wilf. Wilf was born a mile away from the stadium. That's that's what he's a local boy. That's local right. boy, and you. Yeah. You know, we've had managed. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm. I'm not a fan of Neil Warnock, but Neil Warnock was one of the one of the most sensible managers. In the, yeah, you know, I spoke to people like Tony Pulis, and I, I hate saying Alan Pardew's name out loud, but Alan. <laughs> but, and they wouldn't. They simply wouldn't. They were very honest. Sam Allardyce was saying, they say, I'm not playing kids. I'm not looking at the youth team. It's too much pressure on them. It's it's not fair. They're not. They'll get you relegated. Whereas Neil Warnock's uh, theory was, the fans will never ever have a go at young players. Never. If you put a young no. player in who's come through your youth it, team, they mid will to get, late career players, yes, but not, yeah, not youngsters. But not, not young. If a youngsters come out of your youth team, yeah, they will and he never gives hundred percent, and yeah. he gives hundred percent. They will never ever go. Man, and he's absolutely right. And it's it's they're they're the players that we relate to. It's like yeah, you, you're excited if you if you're linked with a twenty thirty million pound player, but you're more excited when someone like Aaron Wambasaka or Tyreek Mitchell comes through. And 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 you know as well because Palace we might be a Premier League club but we know that we when Aaron Wambasaka came through we knew it was just a matter of how much we were going to get through because yeah. we knew we knew that that money is going to help us stay solvent and it's as simple as that same as Tyreek Mitchell is I, I think he's probably a better player than Wambasaka was so it's that's brilliant and you, but you live with the re- reality of the fact that we'll have to sell him and that's great and we wish him joy in in, in his new club and thank him for making us. 40, 50 million quid, which will help us Very nice too. another season, you know. Achtung, Mehlball. Just got a um, couple of questions. I mean, we haven't played Palace for a long time. It's a, it's a, it's a derby match that I actually missed because it was always, yeah. it's always entertaining. Yeah. Um, what's your favourite Millwall Palace derby? And you, you, you've got, it's your choice, and I'm going to tell you my choice afterwards. I, I think it's probably... Uh, uh, I thought you might ask me a similar question. Yeah. Just, <laughs> Unpredictable. Well, it's 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 interesting because I, I know the answer to Damien. De, da, Damien Delaney said his favourite Palace match ever was a nil-nil draw. I think it was the last. Really. Time we, I think it was the last time we played at the New Den. It's the season we got into the playoffs, I think, and I, it was a dreadful, dreadful the game. Draw, dreadful yeah. game. And but he said that was his favourite game because the way the game was, we were on the back foot the whole game. But in him and Gabadon, he said it was his best game. Ever. Although he's, he also said the game against Chelsea when him and Diego Costa were just having a tear up for ninety minutes was his favourite. I think my favourite would have to be 
the four three one at Sellhurst. Oh when yeah, 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 yeah. We yeah. were we were three one up, and you got back to three all in the last yeah. couple of minutes, and then Mark Bright, late late goal, late last kick of the game, half volley from the edge of the box or from the centre circle, as he now says, basically. But um, I was sat in the, um, the main stand, the, the, the Crystal Palace side, um, opposite the, the Arthur Waite stand. Yes, right, that's yeah. That's, that's that the main the, stand? That, that would have been, that's the main stand. We still call it the main stand, yeah. yeah. Your fans would have been... I was I sat think... in there. My, my brother-in-law was a Palace fan and he got me a ticket. So I was sat in there watching it. And I mean, when we got to three, uh, we, we went ahead, didn't we? We, we went I three goals. No, you went ahead and then we got three, one ahead. And then you got two goals back to... It was end to end. I mean... Yeah, it was... it was a really good game. But and I, I think, I can't remember, your fans were in... The in the half weight. In the half weight, yeah. And yeah they used to I, give us the whole half weight. That's right. You had the whole half weight. And I got stopped. Because I, yeah. I remember my... My vivid memory of, of, the, of the goal, apart from the disbelief, because that's not the sort of thing that happens to Palace, is is, is two things: There's the noise that came from the Millwall. It was fans. deafening, absolutely but deafening. You, but, you, but the thing is, you were, it suddenly stopped because you were still celebrating your equaliser. Yeah. <laughs> but then, then it suddenly there was this sudden yeah, so, gutty silence. But but then but then my other memory was that the Brighty smashed it. It was a brilliant goal. And then accidentally turned towards your fans, and then very, very quickly turned away from your fans. <laughs> he finished well, up playing for Millwall very late in his career. Mark do, you, do you know what? I, do you know, I, that's really interesting. You say that because I. Um, he, it was. It was. It was late. In, yeah. Yeah, he was. But he had a book out um, last year, which is a really interesting book about his, his growing up as a, as a foster kid and his experiences yeah. playing football. And and I hosted his book launch, and obviously I read the book, and I'd, I'd completely forgotten that he ended up at. Yeah, it would be in the late um, late nineties. I think. Well, it must have been, yeah, because he because yeah. he he talks about Sheffield Wednesday a lot, but and, and obviously, but, but yeah, I'd forgotten that. But yeah, it was same some, as um, uh, Richard. Um, oh God, what's his name? Richard Shaw. Richard Shaw. Forgot yeah. his surname. Um, he was player of the season at Millwall. Was it, yeah, but again, was, yeah, late 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 in his career, obviously, yes, and he, well, he'd it, done it, the rounds. It, it used to be a cliche in the, in the sort of seventies and eighties that all our ex players went to Orient, but then obviously <laughs> now they come to Millwall. <laughs> yeah, well, because I remember we we played Orient in nineteen seventy nine. It, it's 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 one of those away games that I still remember now because it was we we needed to win uh, pretty much guarantees promotion and it was the old Brisbane Road and, and I, I think there were probably three Orient fans and the, the whole ground was <laughs> was Palace but John Jackson was in goal for Jackson for, yeah, for Orient. Yeah, yeah again it, but it, absolute Palace legend even now and it just seems so odd yeah and he and he got he probably got a bigger round of applause from all the Palace fans than he ever did from any Orient fan but it was um. It was strange London football. I, st- I still London football is a phenomenon that people outside the capital don't don't get. They always dismiss London football as like oh it's not. They don't they don't think we have the same regional pride that no, that they no. have up there. And it's like uh, but for me still, you know, I, I worked on match day. I love match of the day. It's an important part of my life, and I still love the match of the day theme tune. But if ever I I hear the big match music and I hear Brian Moore's voice, yeah, it sends a shiver me, down the spine. It, absolutely, because for me London football was. Was it and Brian Moore? God, he recognised the importance of London derbies and London football, and, and people, people outside London don't get the, the tribal. They don't get where we are geographically. They don't think that we have the same passions, and that's one of the things I used to quite like about the old Mill Ground because, like, yeah, I used to think, yeah, come if you're a rubber fan, come down here and then tell me that we don't have the same, the same passion <laughs> and commitment that you've got up there. Do you know what I mean? It's like, fine, yeah, our beer might be watery piss. Fine, it might be more expensive than your beer is up in Rotherham. But seriously, come down here and tell me that we haven't got the same passion in London for football as you I went to um, 
a Palace Millwall isn't when we're in the third division, so we're going back to the 75 76 season yeah. now. Palace, both third division sides, and there was a crowd of 37,000 in Selhurst yeah. Park. For I think, I think, nil-nil. I think the second, I think the second and third highest fourth division attendances ever at Palace Millwall yeah. games. Uh, there were, and there was a game, I think, yours, one of your record attendances. And these, I mean, this is back in the in the in the sixties when neither club were were yeah, doing well, it. Well, that's right, third and fourth division. Third so and fourth division, third division yeah. south, and then third and fourth division. And it, it was, but because London football is is again, I'll 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 die in a ditch arguing on behalf of London because I, it, it used to amuse me that people couldn't understand the passions of of London football. And it's it's like, but again, it just feeds into your. Yeah. I'm, I'm very aware that I have a certain, and that, and that comes across in the book because I wanted it. I wanted in the book because I, I can understand sometimes because as as a as an away fan as a Londoner going to away games you did have a certain arrogance you did have a kind of oh god yeah yeah well you, you carry that with you all your life you, don't you? you do but I, I like that you did have a certain cock of the walk arrogance you know what I mean and I I, I sort of like that and I I wind up yeah I've got loads and loads of, I've got seventy I've taken that all over the world with me <laughs> but I, I like that sway I like that sound, that yeah, London it's, sway. it's in and the it's, blood it um, is yeah and it and it's and it's always great to talk to London it's like I'd love. I hear a London accent anywhere in the world. I'm 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 a happy man. I, I yeah, I yeah. We well, have you have an immediate bond there. Yeah, you? yeah. It's it's like my my closest mate in showbiz, Mark Webster. Yeah, West Ham fan. He used to do the, the basketball on Channel Four, and he's now uh, yep. on Talk uh, Talk Radio and Talk Sport Two. Who's who's the most? He's from Kent, but he's like the most. He's like a giant jelly deal. Do you know what I mean? Basically, <laughs> but, he, he, but but he's as passionate about the history of London as I am. We and we will talk. We would talk for hours. Talk, well, we we can't unfortunately anymore. But yeah, we, we would talk. And yeah. I'd, I'd I'd get home. His, his missus always blame me for getting in pissed and vice versa. Do you know what I mean? And, like, <laughs> and Ali would say to me, "What what, what did you talk about all that time?" I'd go pub names because yeah. <laughs> you just you just find yeah because he would he, <laughs> pub names and nonsense basically basically yeah because he, he would he would say oh fucking hell, I was in Bermondsey I saw this pub there because he, he he was brought up in a pub called the Hand of Marigold. In Bermondsey, right. okay, and, and okay. He, we could, we could never work out why it was called that. So, but, yeah. so we've always been, and again, that it's that sort of little working class history. Yeah, the little, sort of thing that should, of, um, the little quirks that should never be, should never be forgotten. It's like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm interested in all histories. You know what I mean? But I'm much more interested in the history of London than I am in the history of Coventry. Do you know what I mean? Just like, well, let me tell you about my favourite, um, which isn't actually I, I defined it as a Mill versus Palace thing, yeah, of course. and it is. Because it's the end of the 75-76 season, and I think we'd completed our our, our program, and we we're in the promotion, the third promotion spot. And Palace needed yeah. to win their last three games of the season. Yeah, and there was a home game, Crystal Palace versus Chesterfield at, at Selhurst Park, oh, yeah. and yeah. Palace needed to win that and win the next couple. I think, yeah. but that was, and it was a nil-nil draw, and the whole uh, White Horse Lane terracing. It was still terracing at that was, point. I remember. And it was packed with Millwall fans, and that was my choice. (laughs) And we were singing Chesterfield all night. (laughs) Do you know (laughs) Very weird. I remember that because it had been a really, really hot day. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. 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 And it it was one of those strange things when you, because we we were always in the Homesdale until recently. And it's one of those things where you you walk in and you go, okay, no, that's packed that end, isn't it? Yeah. Chesterfield have brought a lot down. And then you I mean, Chesterfield that. knew what hit him when they came <laughs> out. <laughs> but, then, but then it's one of those you think, oh my God, they're Millwall fans. And then you think, do you know what? I might, I might leave this one five minutes early and go the back way. <laughs> but no, I do remember that. So I remember, another, I remember a game, 
I can't remember what it was. It, it was close to that season when we played you last game of the season. Right. And it was it was away and it was baking hot. And it was it was so hot that none no no one could even raise the energy to cheer. And it was like, but yes, yeah, I, I remember that. Those, those mid seventies. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. you were you were a big. I mean, you were because that season you were in the first division. Was it the, the year was that eighty nine when the year 80, was the, 88, 89, yeah, and then ninety we got got relegated. That yeah. was when that was that, that was when that documentary was, wasn't it? With, with when they mic'd up David Ellery at the Millwall. That's right. Arsenal. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I remember because it. I don't think um, the Arsenal players weren't informed. <laughs> so no, they were. Apparently, they couldn't show yeah. it. Yeah, he was. Um, I mean, he's. A, I, I well, that was an Arsenal team with uh, Tony Adams. Tony Adams, yeah, it's a great. Ian Wright, yeah, great, great side. Well, also, side. I, I interviewed David Ellery a couple of times. It still annoys me that he's he's uh, he's either UEFA or FIFA's head of refereeing. Is, is he? Okay. He was um, the most arrogant snob I've ever <laughs> met in my life. He's a he was a uh, foremaster at Harrow, wasn't he? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, public, public school, and he. And he, yeah. he he kept going on in this interview, and it was with Mark. It was Mark Webster and I were interviewing him for this Channel Five thing called Live and Dangerous, which it was. I don't know why it's called Live and Dangerous. It was live, but it wasn't dangerous. But it was on very late at night, so but every now and again, security guards will recognise us because they were the only people that used to watch left it. Left in but, the house, like, yeah, but, he, yeah. but he he came on this show and he he just kept going on about. Um, so we wanted to talk to him about referee. We wanted to to raise that documentary, even though it was a few years afterwards. But he just kept going on about how we should be grateful. To the public school system for making the rules of football in the yeah. first place and it's like yeah, thank mate, you for you, everything yeah yeah well, that's exactly what his attitude was and also then he was quite bemused because both webster and i knew more about the history of football than he did which 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 kind of annoyed him it's like yeah mate you might have formulated the rules and it's you know, your games of pushy shabby that you had at various public schools may have involved a ball but eventually it's our game not yours so yeah I don't think the Arsenal players were best impressed with him from the footage in that, in that no, game that they, you can find they, on YouTube. So. It's, I, I, I would implore anybody who's not heard it, I, and I think, every, watch, you're, I mean, you're talking to Millwall fans, so I think all of them will have, will have seen it at some stage, but show it to, show it to your kids and, and warn them about the language. But it's, <laughs> it's astonishing. Tony Adams in particular is, is, is astonishing on it. I mean, he just he's clearly, an interesting bloke, Tony Adams. I thought his, he, his journey he, in life. He is. He's a, he's a fascinating, but that, I mean, that, that Arsenal team, there was a bond. I mean, you talked to, oh, God, I mean, yeah, you talked a, to people like Paul Merson, and and I've finally forgiven it because Ian Wright. Every time I see Ian Wright, he says, "Please don't call me Judas." And it's like, well, I'm not for going to, to Arsenal, but, but I'm going to. But and he says, "What will it take for you to stop calling me that?" I said, "A time machine, basically," because <laughs> he knows it's not so much the fact he went to Arsenal. Of course, he went to a bigger club. It's, it's the fact that he's we played him in the League Cup two weeks afterwards, and he scored, and he. Ran across and kissed his badge in front of us. That was the issue. But, well, that 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 that. Yeah, but, I've, yeah. but 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 that bond between that 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 particular Arsenal team and and I think every club, all the Millwall fans listening to this will probably like. For me, it was the eighty nine ninety yeah, team. It's, that, it's that the classic team. side. It you've got yeah, you've got a team that you think with that yeah, you've got a team you think that's the closest it got to being to perfection. To be, that's it to perfection you know? <laughs> or to be or to be an us. You know, because that particular team had. Had seven South Londoners in it. You go, that's as close as you're going to get. Yeah. You'll never, you'll never get it now. No, um, no, no. Yeah. Different game. And again, I'm, I'm aware that I said earlier on that I didn't want the book to be nostalgic, but it doesn't stop me being nostalgic every now and again. Well, no, I didn't know what to expect out of this conversation, Kim. What I didn't no. expect was two old blokes moaning about the old days. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I had all these did. notes, the oh, worthy mate, stuff. Why, yeah, that's yeah. why I've enjoyed it so much. You're listening to Astro Normal. 
huge thank you to Kevin Day for coming on to our show. I hope you enjoyed that uh, conversation as much as I did, dear listeners. Uh, very interesting guest, great company, and really thank Kevin for his for his time. Kevin's book is called Who Are You? Uh, it's 92 Clubs and Why You Shouldn't Support Them. It is available on Amazon in hardcover format, £11.71 when I checked last on Amazon. Also available via Kindle and in audiobook format. So do check that out. Also do take a look at the Price of Football uh, Twitter feed, which is at Kieran Maguire. That's spelled K-I-E-R-A-N Maguire, M-A-G-U-I-R-E on Twitter. At Kieran Maguire on Twitter. There is also a website, priceoffootball.com. Do listen to their podcast. They're always excellent, uniformly excellent. And, and follow them on Twitter. So a huge thank you to, to Kevin for coming on the show. Huge thank you to you two, dear listeners, for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed it. And we'll be back very, very soon, I hope, with another show from Ackle Mill. Until then, Arriva Dirty Millwall. Thank you for listening to Ackle Millwall. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a cheeky little review. Arriva Dirty Millwall. Till next time. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.